and welcome to Smart and Well, a podcast supporting mental health and well-being for students and early career researchers from all academic fields. Although women have relatively widespread access to higher education now and the gender ratio in academia has become more balanced, there are still many important things that can be improved. One big issue is the gender pay gap in academia. Even with comparable qualifications, women in academia can earn up to 800 euros less than their male colleagues. This wage disparity remains even when considering various factors that typically influence income. Moreover, women's career outcomes in academia often differ from those of men in general. There are many factors that contribute to these discrepancies, including gender discrimination, the impact of motherhood, and the availability or more lack of adequate childcare within academic institutions. The presence or exclusion of women from informal networks and professional circles can also play a significant role. All this leads to limited opportunities to advance in the academic career ladder. While there is undeniable progress, we still need to put active effort if we want to address and eliminate these systematic barriers and achieve true gender equality in academia. In today's episode, we will talk about female support systems and how these can empower women researchers and sustain their mental well-being. Our guest is Dr. Petra Metz, and she's a gender equality and scientific career development expert. She's also the coordinator of the Women in Natural Sciences, or WINS, project at the Humboldt Universität. Welcome, Petra, and thank you for being here. Thank you, Paulina, for inviting me and for giving me the opportunity to talk about this program, WINS, Women in Natural Sciences, that I'm coordinating since 2017. And we started at that time as a third-party funded program by the Berlin government. There is a program called Berliner Chancengleichheitsprogramm that wants to strive gender equality in science. And... I was asked to design a program dedicated to female PhD students and postdocs because here at our faculty we are aware of the fact that we have now a better proportion, so more female students in the five departments of our faculty. The five departments are chemistry, geography, computer science, mathematics and physics. But when we look up the ladder that you mentioned already, we see that uh, there is really still a leaky pipeline starting at least at the postdoctoral level. So our idea was to start a bit earlier for PhD students and to give effective support. That means we designed a program in English because we wanted to be as inclusive as possible because more than a half of our PhD students come from an international context. So before there was already another program called Finca Frauen in den Naturwissenschaften am Campus Adlershof. And I'm really grateful about this program, but it was in German. So this was a bit limited uh, and we wanted to target a larger group. Yeah, academia is an international business. <laughs> Absolutely, especially in the natural sciences. There, the language now is English. So uh, we we are offering regular workshops in transferable skills. We are offering a mentoring program. And this is a classical mentoring scheme. It's a one-to-one -one mentoring with 
additional events for the peer cohort of mentees. And we are organizing networking events, different kinds, and each year a summer school for um, female scientists up from the fourth semester. So it's really something uh, that we want to be as inclusive as possible. So not only for PhD students, but for master students and even bachelor students if they are interested. So fourth semester of bachelors yeah. already. Yeah, already. Yeah, because uh, with this, we want to inspire and we want to put together people from different career levels just to give those who are more advanced the opportunity to maybe give a talk about their research field and research questions, but to the younger uh, students to showcase inspiring role models like postdocs or PhD students and that they just connect to each other and work together so that they have a kind of scientific exchange, but at a peer level to have the opportunity just to talk about questions, issues that they're facing maybe. And um, yeah, therefore, it's a four-day event. And I think this is really a good example for how we conceive a good support structure. So can can you tell us a bit more about the role of programs uh, in general supporting women in research or other fields of work uh, that are mostly dominated by men? Yeah, I think there are many programs like our program, but I'm in contact with lots of coordinators from different universities. And we exchange, of course, about our experiences. And I think it's still an issue, it's still important to have these female empowerment programs. But of course, let's say for me, the most important aspect in this WINS program is the career development aspect. That means that we want to design a, a safe space where career development is targeted. That means career development for me is something, um, when you, when you are a PhD student, you have four or five or six years to come to an end. That means you, you are, it's a kind of, there's this metaphor like a PhD journey. I prefer a journey like a marathon because it's not a race. You, you have to work very hard and you do experiments. When you are in hard science, you have the lab work or in geography, you have the field work. So you are coping a situation where you work very closely together in male-dominated settings and where sometimes you as a female PhD student, you feel very isolated because yeah, during field work, it's obvious you are sometimes alone. You are the only female person on expedition, on site, yeah. Yeah, on site or in lab. And this for sometimes for many, many months. So you have to be prepared for it and cope with the situation. So one question that sometimes comes up uh, when discussing programs that are tailored specifically for women is um, how relevant is this? Or is it even in a way discriminating against men? What do you have to say about this? I know that many uh, female, even female professors are ambivalent towards 
special programs designed for female scientists because they don't want to be targeted as female scientists because it's not that you as a female scientist, you are not the problem. You are not, you, you, yeah. it's not something negative. I think empowerment is a good expression, but um, I admit that since I'm working here, I see the relevance of career development for female scientists and for designing a safe space. That means a space where you can discuss openly about questions. For instance, take the example of the imposter syndrome. I think this is something um, really common for female scientists, that even female professors think that they are not good enough for doing their job. They just have the feeling of not belonging to a system. And this is something that I think for men, men it's, it's a different situation because they were always there. They were the first to do studies. So they, of course, there were no female professors because there were no female students at the beginning. And it's, I think it's a long journey since that day. But what I wanted to say is I'm, I'm really proud about the fact that our WINS program became the blueprint for our graduate center that we had just opened in, uh, May. Congratulations. Yeah. So a center for all genders because we know that the binary system is something yeah, it's that's true. That's it's, something that we also and, should mention. And, yeah, and and I think for, even for diversity aspects, it's really good to have now a structure for everyone. And since last summer, we have a postdoc center here in Atlashof, and we have a gender sensitive approach. But we have we, we offer workshops and peer coaching for everyone, and this is important to have the opportunity to to target everyone and to be as inclusive as possible but still offer a female program and maybe let's talk again in 10 years and maybe in 10 years we don't need these female programs anymore but i think it's hopefully yeah hopefully but i think let's give an example last year we started with fellowships for female postdocs because we wanted to raise the visibility of female postdocs and we wanted to enhance the cooperation at peer level for postdocs. And some colleagues were a bit reluctant, thought, well, why we want to give this opportunity only to female postdocs? But yeah, the the proportion is still in natural sciences that we have, for instance, in mathematics, we have no female postdoc at the institute, for instance. And with these five postdocs coming from all over the world, two from India, one from Uganda, one from Italy, and one from Iceland. So we, I organized events with female professors here. And these two professors, they told me at the beginning, well, uh, when they started, they didn't want to go to any, or they didn't want to belong to a female program as PhD student. But they realized later on, as they were climbing the ladder, how it became more and more difficult as a female scientist to, yeah, to get a permanent position. And now they are really fighting for gender equality from their perspective now. So they want to give something back. And when we organize the mentoring program, I see that there's a lot of interest from female professors to give something back and to give good advice to the younger colleagues. So this is something that our program is based on 
motivation and mentoring is something, well, it's, it's not mandatory to become, to be, be part of a mentoring program, but when you want to be part of it, then you need a motivated mentor as well. And this is something that I really appreciate a lot. And I'm not sure if we want to implement a mentoring scheme for male PhD students if this functions. I'm not sure about it, but maybe it's possible. Right. So can you uh, share with us what are your main learnings or insights from working in these kind of programs? I think the main learning is something not very complicated, but to give the opportunity to a younger generation of scientists to have right from the beginning of their PhD the possibility to work on, to reflect on what does it mean for me to work in an academic setting and to have a kind of process of self-awareness. So to become aware of the fact that they are not alone, even in a male-dominated setting, when you have the opportunity once a month to meet other colleagues, other peers, female peers, then all of a sudden you have the opportunity yeah, of not feeling alone anymore and to share something. To give you an example, during the semester time, we, we offer usually one workshop per month. And in one workshop, um, when we started, it was already in 2018, there was a group of 12 participants. We all, we have a maximum of 12 participants. And when we have these workshops, I organize always that we go together to have lunch together just to engage conversation. And there were several who met there for the first time. And there are still very good friends, very close friends, a group of four PhD students coming from different disciplines. And they all meet regularly. So they, they are friends now. They, uh, one is already working as a postdoc, uh, since I think 2021 in Oxford. So they are, regularly exchanging and they see each other. And during another workshop where we talked about resilience, resilience was a topic, we introduced the idea of that it can be helpful to form a success team. So success team means that you meet regularly with a peer and you exchange and it doesn't have to be someone from your discipline. Sometimes it's even better if it's someone from another field because then there is no competition at all. Right. And I can guarantee you that I wasn't aware of it, but we introduced this idea and there are success teams. <laughs> we have one in June from yeah, Maria Glaser from Psychology, who's just talking about her experiences on the 7th of June. And everyone is invited to come to this, uh, to participate. It's an online event. And she will talk about her um, experiences of meeting regularly with a colleague from mathematics and they are close friends and colleagues and yeah they are still meeting every i think every second week so not so often but often enough to to feel supported by these uh, exchanges so as i understand one of the big outcomes of this is basically uh, community building and network building Absolutely. With people who can relate to you uh, Absolutely. at a certain uh, level. Absolutely. And to have, well, I've 
I'm still, um, I'm, I'm so grateful to know so many very talented young women and to see their different approaches to stay in science and, yeah, to, to complete a PhD already, but even then to work further on as a postdoc, for instance. And there are different approaches. I don't see that there is one single way for everyone. And when we had our kickoff meeting, we invited each year here in Atlashof, we have a dissertation prize for the best dissertation in this year. And this is a kind of competition. Three, three are battling, <laughs> uh, pitching their uh, ideas. And we invited this year's um, winner, Janis Münchmeier from Computer Science and Geography. And he said at the beginning as a disclaimer, he can't give any advice to everyone because he did his PhD. All he can do is talk about his experience and share his, his experiences. This is one of my learnings. What I want to implement is, well, of course, we are still offering workshops with experienced trainers and coaches, but more, even more interesting for me is to have people like Maria, who is talking about her experience with the success team and by sharing her experiences to inspire maybe others to follow her example, because this is something that really works on a peer level and this is not complicated it's for free even all our workshops are for free because of course we are a university so we are offering free courses for our participants we are not this is not a business model for for us and this is something that is really important because uh, i know the importance of um, external coaches and trainers but this is not something that we as a university should do, in my opinion. Uh, can you actually uh, say a few words uh, about uh, what kind of workshops you have? What is the range? So you mentioned the mentoring programs, but what are the workshops? Okay, the workshops are on transferable skills. Some people say soft skills, but yes. <laughs> I don't know if this is a good expression because it's not soft Uh, when you do something, when you learn something about, for instance, project management or presentation skills, resilience. So it, so we target beneath these transferable skills workshops that enhance personal development, like resilience, for instance, or we have a workshop starting tomorrow on mindset of success and well-being. So this is something that is important because it, enhance a process of self-awareness I already mentioned <laughs> and so I think it's a quite wide range and in April we had a very successful workshop on application training for jobs beyond academia because that's also important yeah we are aware of the fact that only from 100 people who are completing a PhD only five working in science after 10 years. So what about the 95% who just quit academia? And we um, we want to yeah, give them ideas what else is outside academia. Yeah, given the statistic, uh, it's weird that we call uh, careers outside of academia alternative careers <laughs> because it's actually yeah, the it's, main it's, path, it's main, statistically it's, speaking. Yeah, it's the main path. And I, I'm 
Last week, I, I met one of my yeah, PhD students who participated twice in the mentoring program. The first one, that she had a mentor from science communication or science management. And the second one was from industry because this was her initial idea. And during this mentorship, she learned a lot about how to apply for a position for a traineeship. And she will start in June, a traineeship for six months for a very well-known worldwide operating company that she met yeah, by uh, the introduction of her mentor. And I have to say, I'm absolutely happy about this outcome. I'm a bit... Sounds uh, like a great outcome. Yeah, I have a laughing and a crying eye because <laughs> she wanted to participate again a second time in our summer school starting in June. And of course, <laughs> she can't. But she reassured me that later on, she will always be there if there is an opportunity. And I have to say, um, this is something that I want to focus on more and more. And uh, you already mentioned um, the community building aspect. It's not limited to the time where you, where you are here at Humboldt University. And we are actively thinking, and I hope to find some funding about it, because this is something I'm really dreaming on, because this is for me the basis of cooperation and for a long-lasting cooperation. And I'm really hoping we are all suffering from the limited resources and the research culture that is based on positions that are not permanent. We can't offer permanent positions. There is This is another topic, but um, at least at a human level, we can keep the contact and this is something that we want to focus on furthermore. I just wanted to show you, yesterday I was at Mitte at the Humboldt shop and I saw this postcard about mom wanted me to go to Harvard, dad wanted me to go to Cambridge, I wanted to go my own way. And this is something, um seems so obvious, but very often, especially in natural sciences, where the PhD students, they don't really choose their topic they apply for a position or for a scholarship and the topic is already given. Right, yes. And finding their own way in natural sciences, I think this is for me what I'm fighting for, that they have the opportunity to, yeah, to, to become aware of what they want, their goals and their dreams, and hopefully to realize some of them. We mentioned a couple of times already uh, a notion of role model. So maybe we can talk about this a bit more. So intuitively, I think people understand what it is, but maybe you can talk a bit more about its um, importance of having a role model or being a role model. I think it's a, it's a very complex topic. And today it's, it's, it's a very, it became kind of a buzzword, right. role model, the lack of role models. <laughs> and the question is when you ask someone, a successful professor, do you feel that you are a role model? I think most of them think, well, maybe I do my job, but I don't consider myself as a role model. But I think when I discussed it with a, a colleague here, a professor in physics, she told me that thanks to the mentoring program where she was um, here at Humboldt University, a junior professor and a research group leader, but she never considered herself as a role model. And once she became a mentor, she realized 
that she actually is a role model or she can be a role model and can reflect on her impact on a younger generation. And for her, she's a very successful now W3 professor at another university. And she's still, she's, she's really fighting for gender equality and for, yeah, for a younger generation to have maybe a bit more liberty and more fun in working and um, especially in the natural sciences. Well, the research culture still nowadays is that once you have a position, you already you have, you are lucky because you have a position. I'm from social sciences. There are no <laughs> positions when you're doing a PhD. You, you can do a PhD, but you have to finance it yourself. And what I wanted to say was, they are, well, working hours, 50, 60, 70 hours per week are normal. And when a professor calls on a Friday afternoon and needs a presentation on Monday morning, this can be considered to be normal. And I'm, I think a role model is someone who is thinking about, well, what might be a good culture that gives everyone the opportunity to develop their own potential and with this potential to come to innovation and to, to come maybe to, it's maybe a bit exaggerated, but to, to have an impact on the society as research institution, as university, and not only as institution who is just wants to have more money or more funding. I think research culture is based on innovation and we as a university we have to reflect on what does it mean how do we come to creative solutions that offer us the opportunity to come to a better world and i think also whom does it serve because i think if uh, we only get a perspective of half of the population so the male part then maybe we don't even address certain problems that don't come into their lives so prominently as absolutely. it comes to life absolutely. others. I, yeah, I think when we look on recent examples on medicine, for instance, where the female perspective was never really considered, heart attacks, for instance, yeah, research was based on the norm model, the, the, the standard model, and the standard model was a male model. So... Uh, I think there are, there are lots of things that are to be discovered. And um, in all disciplines, this is the case. And we still, the problem is where we have, for instance, uh, I just before I came, I asked my boss the proportion in, in the fields of uh, computer science and physics. And there are still, well, in physics, we have three professors, three women and from 39 professors so the, the ratio is devastating yes. <laughs> there are two more coming quite soon then we have five but still it's we 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 we, we, are, we are far away from equality and in computer science two female from 12 professors so coming back to um having a role model as a early career researcher just talking from my personal experience i think it's uh, very important uh, so even at the bachelor's uh, level i mean in psychology and cognitive neuroscience uh, it was easier 
to see such role models uh, because again the starting gender ratio is different then also later on at every stage of my education and academic career there was always someone whom i could look up for and think yes well if they can do it also given uh, family or other life situations maybe i can do it as well absolutely i think this is something so important and this is i guess maybe you weren't aware at the beginning of your studies that having yeah such a such a inspiring role model a person where you see well i can do the same i can achieve maybe something equivalent or this is something that becomes more and more important the older you are and when you are a younger student maybe at the beginning you are not aware of the fact absolutely i think you don't think about certain things like um, family or your work life balance when you're a bachelor student but then other things um, yeah become more important when you become older and then it's important to see that there are options how to deal with them yeah maybe there's no single way how to do it but there are options and that's why it's also i think important to see not just a uh, one single person doing it but a number of people and coming back to uh, the imposter syndrome so i think it, that also helps with an imposter so when i imagine myself being the only person or maybe one of out of you and i was in such situations i must say then all the thoughts that are related to imposter syndrome are also then exaggerated but then if you see that no it's actually fine to be a woman let's say or non male in the field and that also helps you with that i think what is important is the fact that you need a kind of culture where you can openly address questions openly talk about maybe things where you are not good at where you want to learn something but where you have maybe yeah you don't feel confident and increasing self confidence i think this is so important and this is again something it's not a race it's not not one workshop where you learn well now i'm self confident i know yes. all the tools you lived let's say 30 years with certain um sets of beliefs that were maybe imposed by your family by society it's not going to change in one workshop of course but i think there should be a continuous uh, strive for that and this um, confidence gap if i may say so i find it extremely interesting also from my uh, research perspective because uh, that's one of the topics that i study confidence our confidence under confidence how it relates to our actual performance and my personal opinion this is maybe like a hot take <laughs> kind of i think but this is one of the most important um, factors to address because i see as competent women or maybe sometimes even more competent women in my field let's say they just often have different confidence level in what they say not that they're not competent it's just the confidence level is different or i see less competent male counterparts and they just uh, get away just with confidence that sounds great and uh, <laughs> my takeaway is already this confidence gap because this is something that would really help many of your peers so since we are a mental health podcast one thing that i would like to discuss with you is 
your opinion on how unequal treatment of uh, female or non-male people in academia, how is it related to mental well-being? This is a very good question and very broad question. And I think there is still a lack of research on these topics. And I'm personally very happy that these topics are now addressed that I know that from other big events these last years, I would say career days organized by early career researchers, and they were targeting mental health issues. And I think there is absolutely a gender question, because when you are working in a male-dominated field, and when you feel, let's say, discriminated or sexually abused, let's take an example of heard several times of it when you're working in a lab with a male colleague for months together and this person, your colleague, is constantly trying to attract you and you don't want to be attracted. I unfortunately know several cases about it and it's so sad in a way that we have of course, at a university level, we have a kind of the German word Richtlinie for guidelines. A, a guidelines for respectful togetherness in a way, respectfulness miteinander. Regarding the harassment aspect, I think, yeah, the, the important thing is that um, when we have these testimonies from PhD candidates who feel harassed, then these testimonies they are treated confidentially. And um, I know that on a faculty level, we try to to moderate these questions. And I personally, I was involved in a process where someone felt sexually abused by this kind of constantly being attracted or feeling attracted. And there was a kind of coaching process for the aggressor that we organized. Yeah, sexual harassment at work is definitely a very difficult topic and uh, it needs to be addressed. So workspace needs to be free from that. I hope we don't need to discuss this, that it's a must. Another aspect that I personally see is that, uh, well, just statistically, we know that certain mental health problems are more prevalent in women. And I think often from... um yeah, psychology perspective, we know that we look at them from the biopsychosocial perspective, and perhaps there is more attention to bio and psycho in our fields, but also many social aspects. And I think inequality is one of the aspects that can affect mental health as well. So we should not forget about that. And I think fighting inequality is already fighting for mental health, better mental health. Absolutely. For instance, if we offer courses on presentational skills, but also on conflict management. And I think this is something, if you have tools to address, to negotiate, for instance, negotiate for your rights, for this you have to be empowered. Because when you don't feel confident, again, then you can't negotiate. You're not on the same level and you're very often in a kind of defensive position. And once you feel offended, then it's for, I think for women rather difficult to, yeah, to 
negotiate the right things and stand for themselves. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm just just a practitioner. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. not a scientist, but I see that everything is linked in a way. It is definitely connected. So we are coming towards the end of our podcast. So before I finish, if you had a chance to give just one piece of advice for students and early career researchers from your perspective, what would that be? I have a little exercise from a book that I really appreciate or an initiative by two British coaches and trainers. And their approach is called squiggly careers. That means there is no linear process, but careers nowadays, they are yeah, just squiggly in a way. So that's an interesting way to <laughs> a nice way. And uh, in their book, I found a good exercise because related to research culture, I think we, we have to focus more on strengths and on feedback. A good feedback culture can be really helpful, even regarding mental health, for instance, this is important. And one exercise that you could do if you are a young researcher, just to to find out where are your strengths, ask three persons, one member from your family, one friend, and one colleague, to describe you in three words. And just don't say It just a description in three words. And then you have a kind of feedback on yourself, where they see your strengths, for instance. And in more than 90%, you have positive feedback on yourself. And then you have a kind of beginning where you can start a self-awareness process <laughs> based on something where really people who know you very well just have told you and you can focus on on good feedback and we we mentioned the belief pattern with this positive feedback of course not with one exercise but this is just a starting point then you can change belief patterns and maybe become a more healthy and more successful person so this is my advice for you thank you for this exercise And thank you, Petra, for all the insights and a great discussion, I think. Before I close, I would like to encourage our listeners to check the show notes where you can find more information about WINS and also how to contact us and other useful details. The transcripts are available on smartandwell.busproud.com. Subscribe to the Smart and Well podcast on your preferred podcast app. You're welcome to share it with your friends and colleagues. Thank you for listening. Be smart and stay well.